Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, where we share our experiences on how to flip and invest in real estate, the stock market, and all things personal development. Join us as we dive deep into the world of self-development and get ready to make some capital gains. My name is Jake Carlisle, and I'm here with Zach Mayer. Uh, Chad, Chad is actually showing a house right now. So he's, he's doing some work, and, and we get to sit around and talk. So that's pretty good. But uh, today we're going to go over really the basics of how to invest in the stock market and the risk associated with and without further ado, I will just let Zach take that over for now. Yeah, thank you. So basically, if you want to start investing, the grand question that everyone asks, it's a lot easier than you think. Everyone kind of gets this idea of charts and graphs and all these complicated numbers running across the screen on Wall Street. Um, now it's as easy as opening up something like Acorns and you have things like Robinhood, which I recommend you stray away from. However, but yeah, all you have to do is open up a brokerage account. So something like Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab is, I think both of us would recommend those three. Personally, use Fidelity. It allows for fractional trading, which just means if you don't have enough money to buy a certain company, like one share, say Amazon, which trades north of $3,000, then you can just put in $100 and you get a fraction of a share or even $1. It doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I would go with Fidelity. I think it's the securest, safest, most assets under management. Um, very, very user-friendly interface. Uh, but beyond that, the biggest thing I want to let everyone know about is that investing isn't about having a ton of extra money. It's about building a habit. So the first two things I always recommend to our clients to do is download an app or track it yourself. So you can see all your spending and income on a month-to-month basis. Figure out what that is there hopefully your income is more than your expenses if it's not then we got to go back a bunch of steps and figure something else out um (laughs) and then on top of that just figuring out a month based on that difference that's easy and appropriate to invest each month and when i say appropriate i just mean that this is an amount that you can have automatically withdrawn from your account by the computer and you're not going to even realize it so before you do that, I would recommend you have some sort of savings built up that's around five, six months of these expenses that are what you're fi- like figuring out are on a month-to-month basis. And before you even start investing, if you do have any high interest debt, like on a credit card or something, you're going to want to pay that off because you're actually losing money at a faster rate than you'll be making it in the market. Uh, well, at least in most cases, if you take out this last year. But once you get beyond that, it's as simple as opening up one of these accounts. And I always recommend to people this kind of priority ladder is what I like to call it of investing. And there's two types of investing, active and passive. When you're actively investing, you're looking at your account on a weekly, daily, even basis, checking out news, different analyst stats, uh, data from the Fed, whatever the case may be, and changing things around based on those decisions. But before you do that, I would recommend opening some sort of retirement-oriented account like a Roth IRA. And for those who don't know, it's just a tax-advantaged account, meaning that all the money you put into this account, unfortunately, it's just like working. Any money you make in the market is taxed. But in this account, you're not being taxed on these gains and dividends that you receive. So, But because of that, there's a $6,000 a year limit to it. 
And so basically what you want to include in these accounts or retirement account is something that over the long run, you're not even going to have to look at and you can just contribute that monthly amount automatically and not have to worry about it. So I think we talked about last episode briefly index funds and stuff like that. So to be very general, my Roth personally, it's 80% index funds and then it's 20% dividend funds. And my strategy is the only active management I do in these accounts is Say we do have some market crash, which could very easily happen in the near future or literally whenever, as you saw with COVID. And I would sell off these dividend funds, giving me a lump sum of cash to invest as we, so I can buy heavier on such a correction or crash or something like that. Take a capital loss if that's the case, and then use that towards my taxes, the $3,000 a year that you're allowed to write off and carry over any other amount extra. And that way, like I said, you can buy heavier on that, on that type of dip and just repeat this process until you're 59 and a half when you can take the money out of this account. Yep. Yeah. I think one of the bigger, one of the big things that I would back up on, you know, before you ever even think about investing, you got to see how much money can you invest and be completely okay with it going to zero and it having no effect on your bottom line. Right. So if you have $10,000 invested, but you only have $15,000 to your name, you know, you're, you're putting out some risk and maybe, maybe you should dial that back to where it's, you know, maybe 1500 bucks or $2,000 to where, you know, if it goes to zero, you're fine. Right. You don't want to self implode trying to, you know, make returns. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I used to be yeah. Ameritrade. He likes fidelity, but uh, it's to each his own. They're all, they're all good. Once you get into these bigger names of, or bigger brokerages, you're really getting the same security and everything like that. Um, I just prefer Fidelity because of the fractional trading. I'm not sure if TD does. But to Jake's point, like I did this when I first started. I had about $15,000 to my name. And guess how much was invested? About 14000 of it. Um, and of course, I lost about five grand, not knowing what I was doing at first. And then that's when I started to get myself in check and dial things back. But kind of adding on to what you're talking about risk, the thing with these retirement accounts and kind of the strategy I referred to earlier is that the reason you can so comfortably contribute monthly to an account that's filled with indexes or market indexes, whatever you prefer to refer to them as, that's something that no matter what, I mean, you're not allowed to guarantee anything in the investment world. But if you're our age or even 30 or 40 years old, if you have a time horizon or plan for this account that's 15, 20 years plus, you can almost, you can rest assured that you're going to see some return over that time span and your money's safe in there. And that's when you kind of get into individual stocks, like we mentioned Amazon earlier, or if you're buying Apple, or you see some of these meme stocks on Reddit, wherever, on Twitter, these are the ones you're going to have to be, when you're investing money in those, that's when you need to ask yourself, when I buy this company's stock, am I okay with losing all of this money? And that goes for even something like Apple or Amazon, which is a gigantic conglomerate that literally holds up the market on its shoulders as we speak. Yep. Um, yeah. They, I think a lot of people don't realize, especially with this last year, a lot of people have had a lot of success investing in the market. And unfortunately, it's led to a lot of false confidence. I don't think people realize that if you invested in Crocs, corn, S&P 500 or Expo markers, you would be up over 100% year to date today. So you have a lot of people online right now. I'm sure some of you, if you're watching this podcast or listening, 
Um, you've, you've seen these ads on YouTube, Facebook, wherever, where people are like, I'll trade your money for you. I'll do this. But when they say trade, they mean they want to day trade your money, swing trade it, risk a lot of your capital at once, regardless of what sort of risk management they use. And a lot of these people don't understand that when you're picking individual companies, I think many, many of you might've heard Warren Buffett talk about it. And a lot of popular investors is the best way to understand where to invest is by understanding the world around you. The economy is very much a set of dominoes where once one falls, they all fall. So for example, I know Jake got me into investing in oil back, I don't know, six, seven months ago. And it made a lot more sense once I started to really think about it because we, a lot of stuff with the election, getting rid of pipelines, price per barrel going up. Well, the entire internet and market is focused on near-term profits in stuff like EVs, green energy, stuff like that. And then what happens is the retail investor like you and I doesn't see on Twitter or in an article from an analyst that these EVs are the things that are running right now till it's too late. You buy way too high and then you end up screwed because you bought at such a premium. And there's a lot of utopian thinking, I like to say, when it comes to a lot of these pricing and valuations. So you really have to be careful in where you're getting your information from and what you're basing decisions off of. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's uh, this this guy was an oil hater at the very beginning. He did not want to listen to me. <laughs> and um, oh, yeah. you know, once once he saw that rotation of the value happen, he was like, oh, maybe maybe I should have been in some oil. And uh, it's not just oil, it's natural gas, um, it's oil services, uh, stuff like that, pipeline companies, anything of that, financials, real estate, stuff like that. I'm, I'm big on value. Uh, I don't love um, growth stocks just because like they're, they're trading at such high multiples that you really don't know <clears throat> where they're going or how far they can go down either, right? We saw... 20 or 30 different tickers that we watched this year go up to man double what they are now just because they got so much hype and then we get some weakness in the market <clears throat> boom they're down 50 percent and if you're all in on those what well, you're you're down 50 percent you know you just lost half your money like you're screwed um i think one a good one to bring up that a lot of people might recognize is lucid Lucid Motors with their, it's clear, like, I guess the best way to say it, I don't want to call it manipulation, but I think this is a good time to bring this up. And based on from what we were talking about earlier, personally, my best investment decisions are ones that people have never heard of. And they've come from me literally sitting at my desk, just thinking about the world, researching, kind of growing my awareness of what's going on as much as possible and using my own brain. This is kind of the cool part about investing is you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know everything that's going on. You don't have to understand all these crazy math problems and whatever you see people doing online. Um, all it takes is some two of my best investments, for example, last year, ticker PHO and ticker LAND. These are one of them is a water ETF, <laughs> water technology, water resources, things like that. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to throw this a little bit in one of my accounts because, in my opinion, I looked at the valuation compared to what all the companies inside of it were doing for revenue and stuff. And I was like, this isn't overvalued. The price to sales, price to earnings, all those things aren't ridiculous. And then I was like, 
yeah, there's going to be more people and we're going to need more water technology and we're going to need more efficient in water technology, more efficiency in water technology, excuse me. And literally water itself, we're going to need, there's going to be less per person. And the same thing went into ticker LAND where you're essentially buying a stake in 600 farms. And what do you know? I'm up over 45% on both of them year to date. Yep. You can't, I mean, you can't beat it. I mean, it's, it's almost common sense. And that's why I think I said last time, last episode i said you know investing good investing is almost boring like who wants to invest in land right that's super boring but 45 percent year to date isn't boring no <laughs> not boring at all and i mean the uh one of my best investments this year and, and last year um was was attributed to my uncle uh, me and him text pretty much every day just about stocks whatever and uh, he's big in the oil industry, natural gas. And so he, he shoots picks, I shoot picks. And two big uh, picks for us was EOG Resources and ET, Energy Transfer. One is an oil and gas company and one is strictly natural gas. EOG was up 150% year over year, uh, I believe, still is. And then ET was up 100% year over year, still is. And... You would never, ever hear those even mentioned on, you know, Reddit or CNBC or CNN or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think throwback a year ago, you probably remember this. We just we were scrolling through Twitter, or I was, and I texted you one morning when we were back into like more actively managing portfolios, more learning. This is over a year ago that now. And somebody tweeted out, if you invested in corn, you would corn. be single investment in the market so it just goes wasn't to it, show wasn't it up like 450 percent yeah it was over 400 percent. so like that just goes to show you it's really about the simple things and i think that this is a good time to mention i'm not against these growth companies at all um i've made many of these mistakes myself like we're both still young and so don't let it come across as like we know what we're doing and always make the right picks it's yeah, just that i do not yeah, I, I would tell everyone that experience is the best teacher and you just got to make sure you listen to that experience because it teaches you fast. And if you mm -hmm. don't listen, it hurts you fast. Um, yep. don't, don't be bold headed and try to make the same mistake over and over again. Make sure you really understand buying. If you can't explain to somebody who has no clue what stocks are why you're buying this company because you shouldn't need to you no one needs to understand what how the market works or how the economy works for you to tell them why something good investment yep uh, and i think another thing is a good strategy that i've recently taken is as we head into more risk on territory meaning that as we head towards the fed tapering and interest rates potentially going up and inflation threats like continuing do you people have to understand that a lot of these things that are trading at such a high premium, meaning an extremely high valuation, big boy money, as I like to call it, they don't like to look at these individual companies. They group them. So to them, you have value stocks, commodities, cyclical stocks. And these are what a lot of kids our age now refer to as like old man stocks that right now, a few picks of ours, we can get into some of our recent picks later. Right now, we're seeing a lot of rotation into them as a lot of these tech stocks and things trading at a premium die down. But personally, I like to limit myself to three to five 
growth stocks that I know I have such high conviction in that I'm not going to sell regardless of the price. And that comes from understanding the company so well and having a five to 10 plus year outlook. So you can say, I don't care if I bought this at such a premium that the future cash flow is priced in two to three years, because this is something that I see being a huge thing for 20, 30 years to come. I mean, that's impossible to predict, but at least 10 plus years to come. Yep. And that's, that's really the risk you have to take and be okay with when you, when you invest in those growth stocks, because they could go up a hundred, 200%, right. But you have to have conviction enough to where when it does, and I say when it does, because it will drop 20% in a month Yeah, that you have conviction to not only hold it, but maybe even buy more to double down on your conviction. Yeah. I would even, as far to say is before you buy a growth stock or something that's speculative, your conviction should be so high that when it does drop 20 plus percent, the first thing you do is buy more. It yeah. shouldn't, you should have to hesitate. The thought of selling should never even come into your mind. You really want to make sure you're very thorough with like your thoughts, research, and understanding of how some of these companies. Um, my, what I like to say to people though, is just because uh, we're saying this now, doesn't mean you shouldn't throw a lot of these growth companies that you like on a watch list. And I, I would say one of the best things you can do is be patient with investing because what you can do is if you really do like these companies or say you're at like 75% conviction, throw them on your watch list, be patient, and then revisit them when they are 20, 30% down and say, reevaluate the valuation, say to yourself, okay, is my conviction grown? Do I still have the same beliefs? And then say, okay, well, now I feel I'm happy I didn't buy before and I'm getting at a fair price that will probably make even more near-term gains rather than those long-term ones that you originally sought after. Yep, yep. Patience pays. Like Patient, patience absolutely pays. I don't know how many times I have, I think, bought a stock because I was like, oh man, I really love this, really like this. You know, I think it's can do X, right? I think it can double or I think it can go 50%, right? And then all of a sudden we see a 10% drawdown in most of those equities. And I'm like, oh crap, like I can't afford to lose this or I don't, this is not how I, you know, wanted it to go. And so I sell it, cut my losses, whatever. And then I cannot tell you how many times, literally almost every time, I don't think I've had a time where I sold it and it did not come back to my cost or higher. Every single time I've cut losses and sold because I wasn't convicted enough or, you know, didn't do my due diligence beforehand, it has come back. And so the biggest thing I would say is, you know, once you, once you commit to a stock, it's almost like you should probably, you'd probably be better off buying it, turning your computer off and coming back in a year and seeing where it's at. Right. You, you're probably better off. I think someone might sleep and waking back up. Yeah, dude. I think some of my best buys have come from times where I was on vacation and then I come back home, sit at my computer and I'm like, damn, this thing's really low. I'm glad I didn't buy before vacation. Now I'm going to buy like right. the whole looking at your account. I know for us personally, talking to clients and kind of getting them into this world of investing, that's the hardest thing to get them to do. And it makes a lot of sense. This is their money. They're risking it. They don't know much about the market and what you don't understand, you're naturally more fearful of. And so it's really important, I think, to just explain to them and make sure you yourself just have the greatest level of awareness that you can possibly achieve before you buy something. Because there's so many things. I think a perfect example is when uh, Apple and Tesla announced their stock splits last year. 
personally, I would never tell somebody not to invest in either. If we're not considering valuation and we're just considering the companies themselves and what they do, I would never tell someone not to invest in Apple or Tesla. Now, when you decide to invest in them, that's a different story. If you go back to last August, actually, Apple announces the stock split. All of the sudden, the entire world wants to buy Apple stock because they go, oh, it's not $500 anymore. It's a hundred. And then they have this idea in their heads that it's just going to go back to 500. And that's just people not understanding what a market cap is, meaning the valuation of a company isn't exactly linked to the ticker price as much as they think. Um, and the stock ran up like crazy. The majority of the retail investors did their, all of their buying around the top of this run-up after they announced it. And then the better part is these people were so excited for it to go back to 500 that they sold within the next month because it went all the way down to like 109 or something from 135. And we're sitting here today with Apple at over $150 a share. So that's where that conviction comes into play. It doesn't just apply to growth stocks. It's, it, it comes down to understanding valuation so you can put in an amount of money for your initial position size that's not so much that you don't have cash to average down. Yep. And if you do have this conviction, which should be pretty easy to have with a company like Apple, you would have been, you would have saw it at 109, 120, 110 even, and you would have bought all three of those. And your returns would be even that much greater than if you bought at 130 and held like you should have in the first place. Never yeah. mind all the people that bought at the top and then sold 2% down from that top after four or five weeks because they were upset that they weren't making millions already. Yep. I think a, a good example of this, even right now, um, that I actually have a holding in is Alibaba. And it's been getting beat down bad by Chinese regulations, bad, bad headlines. Um, Jack Ma is, was missing for a couple months there. Who knows what happened to him? Everything. But uh, Zach was, you know, he watches the market a little bit more than I do because I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the real estate realm more day to day. And uh, one day I just, you know, I opened my, my trading app and I saw Alibaba $158 and I was like, $158 Alibaba. This was at $320 six months this ago. This trading for a trillion dollar market cap less than a year ago. And now we're under $500 billion, well under, I think we're around yep. 440 billion or something like that. Yep. The last time Alibaba was $150 for the first time was in 2018. You have to go back three years to find Alibaba at $150. And then it went up a little bit, came back down, but we're buying Alibaba at essentially 2018 prices. And what has happened to online e-commerce since then? E-commerce only, grow, only grown insane amounts. And so why wouldn't you buy it, right? Into self-driving cars, AI technology. Now, this is a good time to bring this up too, since we're talking about risk. Um, I think before I mentioned that these big funds, institutions, look at stocks and groups. You have your speculative, your value, your indexes, stuff like that. And the whole reason I say that is because when they look at market metrics from the Fed directly, so they look at last year's expectations compared to this year's results. And that's the most important thing is that you're not looking at this year's expectations versus this year's result. The market's priced in. So what that means is that whatever you're seeing right now is based on what we thought was going to happen. So when you're comparing data like PCE, durable goods, unemployment, yada, 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 all these boring numbers, 
that you need to be comparing what you expected to happen last year to see if, Oh, did we overshoot? Did we undershoot? Is there still room to throw in money? Cause that's what these big funds do. And they're the ones who have enough money to actually move the market around and create some sort of like volume that's significant enough to move the price significantly. And so that's why when I say you should have three to five speculative stocks, it's because they go, Oh, we're heading into risk on territory for all the reasons we had mentioned earlier. We're taking our money at speculative stocks, and that's when the prices really start to drop. And they usually throw them in value stocks like commodities, food, drugs, stuff like that. Things that people need regardless of yep. the downturn. Yep. Yeah, that's where you get the, the cyclical and the and the, the value value plays coming back a little bit. But what yeah, you man, got? I- there's a million tangents and like topics I feel like we can go over right now, just based on what's been said, whether it's types of risk, going back to Alibaba, where a lot of people don't understand that overall market risk based on how the actual economy is doing and not just the market going burr all day and never <laughs> going. Um, that's, that's how money moves in the market. People, the market risk or any risk of an individual company, meaning that if the market's going down, even if your company just reported like the best earnings ever, guess what? Their stock's going to go down. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yep. And then with Alibaba, there's political risk. And so even with Alibaba trading at this valuation, I'm also buying Alibaba right now. Jake and I understand that money doesn't flow into Chinese stocks as much because there's a level of political risk and other uh, legislative risk and things like that. So American investors and funds are less willing to put money into it. And so what a lot, like a common thing I see people online using for their valuations is a price to earnings ratio. Well, regardless, Alibaba's price to earnings ratio is always going to be less. So that's not necessarily the best like metric to track their valuation, but it's always less because it's a Chinese company. So you can't really look like, oh, it's trading at a really low one compared to all these other e-commerce, like American-based sites like Etsy per se. It's it's because it's always going to be like that. Yep. Yep. Different strokes, but uh, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Dude, I could go on forever, but I think like, yeah, no, I know you could want to get into i think we kind of talked about how um how you kind of get started very kind of rumbly rambly ranting sort of went into a few random things talked about some of the things we're doing do you want to just finish off with what we're buying right now yeah i can you know i can uh obviously we cannot this is not Not financial advice this is not financial advice and, and don't do what we're doing but uh this is just from our experience what what we are currently looking at and about i have some holdings in be able to say to you guys this is financial advice yeah yeah this guy's getting his series 7 and 65 so be on the lookout there we'll uh we'll be able to be le- legitimate yeah um if you want to go first it's up to you well so to be honest with you the only thing i have right now um <clears throat> i don't i don't even uh manage mine like super super heavy anymore because i'm so ate up with the real estate stuff but i've got uh, I've got a good position in Baba. Um, I'm really bullish on that just because of the fact, like in my head, it makes more sense. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not looking into it as deep as Zach is, but I'm like, okay, 
I understand the risk politically, China, United States, yada, yada. Um, but I see Charlie Munger, who is one of the best investors in the world, putting millions into this company and it's 50% off of its highs. So you mean I can get a double in the next five years? I'll take that all day long if I don't have to think about it, right? It's just common sense to me. Um, OIH, it's a oil services uh, ETF. It's a little bit more high risk on my end. It's kind of volatile, to be honest with you. It's very, very um, dependent on oil, obviously, the price of oil and uh, the political the political scene around that. Uh, but I think that can be a good one <clears throat> going forward the next year with inflation and stuff like that. PLTR, good old PLTR is, is one of my staple grill stocks. Uh, Zach could tell you all about that. That one has been in, in my account a long time and uh, won't leave anytime soon. That's all I'm going to say. And <laughs> I have a pretty speculative one, TLL. Tell teller tellurian, sorry, can't read. Uh, I actually have some options on that one as well. Uh, let's see, ten dollar strike January twenty two, and uh, so I'm kind of hoping there they get some funding for one of their their developments they're getting. If not, oh well, I invested what I was uh, willing to lose. But if so, maybe they'll go to ten dollars. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but. I'm only in four, four things right now. Uh, that's in my regular one. I've got some other stuff in my Roth, but uh, that's boring. I won't talk about that right now. But Zach, what you got? Yeah, I won't repeat any of the ones you said, although I also have a little bit of money in OIH, a lot of bit of money in PLTR. And uh, just, just for clarification for everyone, I started buying PLTR at IPO. So I'm not too, too down bad you're looking at. Um, and then Baba as well, which I, those are the ones I share with you. I just started buying AT&T. We're trading at the same valuation at near the bottom of the dot-com bubble crash. Um, AT&T is one of those things. It's a service I don't see going away. They are giant. Our government relies on them and their technology. They're funded. I don't see too many people going away from AT&T. They offer a great dividend despite the recent cut to it that everyone's freaking out about. Oh, we went from 10% to 8%, like crime your river. And then I'm also buying a lot of Kraft Heinz, ticker KHC right now. Um, personally, I see food prices being one of the last things in inflation that we see going up. If you saw the funny White House announcement the other day, they told us that inflation is actually not that bad. Look at the cost of food. If you take out the price of pork, chicken, turkey, and beef, the prices of food are actually only increasing at the rate that we expected them to. So yeah, go ahead, take out all the food you actually eat at dinner and <laughs> not too bad. Um, and that's another one of those companies that where I think as we're heading more into a risk on downturn territory or potential for a territory, that's something that will outperform a bear market, even though it may underperform a bull market, like a tech stock during a bull market. And it's something that I don't mind having in my account for many, 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 many years to come. Uh, aside from that, a while ago, I was trying to get everyone to buy ticker GHVI, now Matterport, MTTR. We are trading now around $19, $18. And this goes to show you how little we look at the price action now, because if this was a year ago, I would have been able to tell you what it's trading at every 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but 
that's not the case, of course. And yeah, no, I really like their valuation when they're around 13 to $15 or below that if possible. And yeah, so that's those. That's pretty much what I've been buying. Those are kind of my takes. I'm getting into some old man things right now. But if you look at the market this last month, old man stocks are having fun. They are having fun. They're coming back, and I'm I'm excited. I'm a I'm an old man. Uh, maybe maybe because I get most of my advice from an old man. But uh, you know, if he listens, if he listens to this, maybe he'll he won't like I said that. But um, either way, uh, I appreciate I appreciate his insight. Well. You got anything else? I think we uh, we cover a lot, and we can we can do this again next week and, and go over even some more. Yeah, I think there's talked about today that would be fun to go into in depth. But yeah. uh, that's I'm I'm ready to wrap it up. Okay, that sounds good. Well, uh, guys, thank thank you all for listening. Um, if you got any value from this, please share it, and uh, that's really all we ask. We we'll never run any ads or anything on this. Um, we're really just trying to provide value to people, teach people how to get into this, um, kind of get financial freedom for, for whoever wants it. Right. Like we're here to show you, right. We're going to make capital gains and we would like y'all to, to go on that journey with us. So yeah, don't let's, Spotify, Apple music, share this to your Instagram, wherever, Twitter, Facebook, show it to your grandma, whoever has a phone and, computer dial up i don't care show it to them let them hear it thank you guys absolutely thank y'all guys let's show the world how to make some capital gains yes sir 101 sound fuck what they talk about i've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child getting it every day i'm working sun up till the sun down i'm getting it every day these niggas hating trying to see how i do this shit bitch i'm not